Welcome to Afternoon Brew. This week we talked with Mayor Sandra Masters to talk about all things YQ Blood. So let's jump right in. I want to know how your last few months have been. You've been in office for about a few months now. How's it going? It's uh, been about nine weeks. Thanks. It's it's an overwhelming amount of information and um, and not just information from a like a statute, legislative, you know, regulation kind of viewpoint, which technically you're supposed to make decisions on, or not technically, you do make yeah. decisions on. But it's about understanding the relationships and how um, uh, people are going to, you know, want to advocate for their positions uh, or, or 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 what it is they're working on for their particular interest group or business. And then it's developing relationships provincially and federally. So it's. It's an information overload kind of on multiple levels, uh, but it's, I find it very energizing at the same time. So there's, there's only been one point probably in the last nine weeks where I literally felt sort of um, like mentally exhausted. Yeah. Um, but other than that, it's been, I'll probably speak to it several times, but the people that live here love this city. Oh yeah. People that, the people that have moved away that work in the federal government love this city. So that's the coolest part of my day every day. Yeah. I know since election day was about nine weeks ago, like you said, or like even before that. And I think for a lot of mayors, it's just an exciting opportunity. And with opportunity comes fear, of course. (laughs) Uh, So speaking of Regina, you said the people are one one of your favorite parts of the city. Is that what makes you proud to be Reginian? And what what makes you proud to call yourself uh, Reginian? I, I think we're unique. So I, I, I wasn't raised here. I didn't go to high school here. Like I've, I've moved around quite a bit as a kid with my dad's job. And um, I did university in Saskatoon and I have lived here for a number of years. And there's something special about um, about the citizens here and, and just the way that we live. And I always kind of liken it to there's... <laughs> There's an experience people have when they come to visit, and I think we sometimes take it for granted, those of us who live here day to day, but it's one of the most natural places to be. It doesn't matter if you're visiting or if you haven't lived here very long, but you can go to somewhere like Wascana Center, you can go to um, school, you can go to the mall, you can go to the store, go to a restaurant. It's just really natural to be. You walk in, people accept that you're here, get acknowledged, and it's, it, it's we're very nice, we're very hardworking, um, I say we're humble to the point of self-harm, but other people find that very attractive about us, that we're so humble and we're not, you know, we're not arrogant. Um, we we believe in welcoming people and, and being polite, which is, uh, it's, again, that is not something to take for granted if you've ever traveled elsewhere. It's not for something sure. to take for granted. And so that we just have a way of approaching it, which is a life which is very practical practical and warm and welcoming and hardworking at the same time. It's kind of this beautiful recipe that we've got going on here. And you kind of see it everywhere, everywhere you go in the city. Yeah, I believe it. I I grew up here for the last 12 years. I lived in other cities before that. And the people are definitely one of the best qualities of the city. I truly agree with that. And going off that a little bit is, so I'm currently 18. I'm about to graduate high school this coming year. Kind of exciting, but it's also overwhelming because a lot of options. What do I do? Where do I live? What's my plan? What's my future look like? So one of the questions that I'm facing is, why should I want to stay in Regina? And why should I 
maybe continue education, maybe start a life here. What's keeping me in the city and why should I stay in the city? I think you should stay in the city because our because Regina actually affords an opportunity to younger people that a lot of other cities don't. You can get consumed whole in other places. So if you're looking for a little bit of that work-life balance, if you're looking for um, um, experiences that um, kind of enhance your life outside of work, this is a really good place to experience them because you can afford to do them here. Um, we're easy to get around in. We're and and again, it's it's there's a simplicity to sort of knowing the entire. You can know the entire community probably in a in a week or two if you actually put some focus to it. We have a lot of um, we have a lot of research and development going on here that maybe some people don't know about. We have a lot of small businesses that are growing. Um, we have um, we have sports. We have culture. We have rec. So we have almost all things except for Broadway theater. But even though, even those can be traveling shows, but we have so many things going on here that are available and accessible that may not be somewhere else. And there's a level of independence you can experience in Regina that you may not be able to elsewhere. And what I mean by that is if you were to graduate high school and go, oh, I'm just gonna go experience the world, I'll move to Vancouver. You're gonna live in a home with probably five other people in order to be able to afford it, which is great if you want to do that, if you want to have that experience. But I don't think that's that's an experience that's not really starting a life. If you see the difference, and yeah. so I think you go elsewhere to have experiences, but I to to establish and and start a life. Really, th there's no place like home. And you said you moved away from Regina as a child, or I actually was born in Winnipeg, and we moved around a bit. And I've lived in Weyburn, Moose Jaw, Saskatoon, Regina, uh, Dauphin, Killarney, Winnipeg. Yeah. <laughs> I've moved around a bunch. And it's it's funny, when you live in a bigger city, you everybody thinks it's like Calgary. People move to Calgary and say, well, it's the mountains are right there. And then you talk to people and so how many times you've been skiing? Oh, once in four years. Uh, you hear that quite a bit because everywhere you go, you end up kind of in your neighborhood. Well, the thing about Regina is your neighborhood is probably half the city. Like you, you, you might live in the South end, but you're always doing something, whether into downtown or out on the East side or into the South end. So it's your neighborhood becomes much bigger here. Um, and so you just feel more connected with more people, not quite so isolated. You can live in a really big city and feel very isolated. For sure. Yeah. And I, I completely agree with that as well. Like I do think that the people here is what is pro probably going to keep me here. But one of the things that I always struggle with is, the, la the lack of like facilities I would say so like me I come from a sports like background I play basketball I have friends that play soccer hockey on a Friday Saturday whatever night it's really hard to either play a sport maybe to go do something downtown is usually empty things like that so how what's your plan on making Regina that kind of city to appeal to like my people like my generation I actually think it's one of our strengths and one that we can continue to expand upon. And so you think about some of the facilities that we do have and, and what we need to replace. And so if you start with a competitive and recreational aquatic center, which for us in this country when it, or in our, in our space where it's so cold half the year, having somewhere to go warm and indoors that's act, that, that feels, again, like a gathering place and that amateur sports can compete in um, balances the best of both worlds. Um, I do think we're going to need to do something about the Brad Center. I'm pretty familiar with that one. And if you build something where, why don't we have a national lacrosse team? Why don't we have a, a basketball team? Why don't we have 
a higher level uh, of, of soccer going on in our city. So I think amateur sports and that's and that focus on that in terms of who we want to be is probably it's probably somewhere we can play and can play really well. We're also so central to bring East and West together that from a from an events perspective, we're we're sort of ideally situated, which we probably don't always feel because sometimes it'd be nicer to be closer to the ocean <laughs> one way or the other. Yeah. Um, or to the mountains or or to something else. But there's strengths that we have by virtue of our geography and by virtue of it being so flat and we need to build those facilities. I firmly believe in that. I also, along that line, if you think of what Calgary did with their public library, our public library was built in the 60s or early 70s. Again, yeah. it's an aging piece of infrastructure, but in terms of that community hub. And so maybe not this year or next year, but you know, 10 years from now, you might want to have a family of some kind and having some place to take kids that is, again, a gathering place and educational and um, and a real space to get together uh, in something that's not just focused on sports is also significantly important. It just so happens that back in the 70s, a whole bunch of um, infrastructure was built across the country on bonds. People, the cities borrowed money to build these centers. And so we built... <laughs> We built the Brand Center, we built our public library, and we built the Lawson Aquatic Center then. They're all the same age, basically, give or take a year. And so the fact that they're all kind of coming due kind of makes sense from yeah. a structural standpoint. And so where that positions you in order to build a life here is that you're going to enter into some of those pretty great new facilities and the opportunities that they bring for hosting events as well as playing, like actually playing in them yourself. Yeah, and an example I use is uh, in Martinsville. I don't know if you've been there. There's this huge sports facility. Uh, I, I forget when it opens, but uh, you can play a lot of sports there. And then same with Lawson. One of your promises or like goals, I would say, was uh, new Lawson. So I think it was like around $85 million aquatic center. Uh, why would we not invest that money into multiple sports rather than just swimming or like diving or something? Can we not spread that across like a rec center? Sort of like tennis here, hockey here, this and that there. I think that's part of the idea is that if you're going to build that center and I, and I had sort of coined it that you would always make it, you would engineer it so that you could continue to build on Really it's a function of money. And so um, we know that the aquatic center has hit the last two um, recreational master plans, both this past year and 10 years before that. And it, it needs to get done. We have a lot of aquatic sports, but the idea to your point is the recreational facility gets tacked onto it. And so it's courts and it's climbing walls. If you build an arena that actually frees up the brand center for repurposing as well, potential courts, um, we're holding national volleyball tournaments here now because of some of the facilities that are on the exhibition site. Uh, and it's about continuing to, to build out and play into that. We could also be a training ground because if you build the right rec facility, when we go indoors, we have a great, we have incredibly talented baseball players here, outdoor lacrosse, soccer. You just continue to add to their facilities um, and we're going to continue to produce, you know, both competitions, events, but also athletes themselves who get to go out and represent us. Of course, yeah. And I think one issue that faces a lot of people in the city is that we look at the stadium or we look at these outdoor pools. And we in Regina, we don't have these six-month-long summer nights, things like that. So I think an indoor facility is the way to go. And I think a lot of people agree with that. It's just making sure that caters to everyone. Obviously, you can't hit everyone, but making sure that the opportunity is there. Yeah, I think that's exactly what the intention is.
Perfect. Uh, a little bit going off that is, um, so the like we said, the election was about four months ago, three months ago. And one thing I always heard was these long-term, long, like, goals and promises. So I'll use your aquatic center as an example. It was like this huge lump sum of money that we're going to do it across these long years. Why are we focused on these long-term goals rather than, like, shorter-term, like, maybe get this road built or maybe a new hockey rink here? Is there a plan? Do you have a plan for short-term goals as well, or is it more just longer-term, like an ideology more like? Yeah. So the aquatic center planning in terms of feasibility study and whatever is already underway. Like the month of January, we sort of fast tracked some of the early stuff. Um, but funding it becomes then the issue. So now we're playing with both the province and with the federal government. So we think the city doesn't move fast. Just kidding. Uh, there's partnerships there in terms of infrastructure uh, spend that we're looking to currently gather. We're looking to, to get on the list, so to speak. Um, in terms of the short term, anytime you're going to spend public money, they want to make sure you've planned properly for it. I think one of the criticisms myself and probably several other colleagues had was, um, my council colleagues had was, um, there doesn't seem to be a proper infrastructure plan. And in terms of here's what's next, here's what's next, here's what's next, and just building it into a multi-year budgeting uh, so that everybody can kind of see where it comes from. But if you go back to the aquatic center, one year is gathering is, is feasibility, gathering funding, and getting detailed plans so that you can start digging the next year. Like that's, that's literally a, probably a 12 month process. Whenever you're going to, believe it or not, to spend $100 million takes a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> not just to gather it, but also to spend it. And so I think the idea being is once you get the funding in place and once, once administration is working on detailed drawings, then you pivot and going, okay, what's next now? But ideally what we would have and what we should be working over on the next year is making sure that infrastructure plan is, we already know we're just taking the next thing off the shelf, taking the next thing off the shelf. That hasn't been done and I don't know exactly the reason why. They know the lists, they understand what's kind of on the list, but the planning portion of it hasn't been undertaken. So definitely something pushing for. So then anyone in the city of Regina would go, oh, this is how this works. But once you see that list, you should also be able to know, here's the streets that are getting fixed next. And, and here's what's going into the exact same planning process. And from a political perspective, that would be kind of fall under the umbrella of transparency and accountability, where we're just trying to be transparent about here's what's next. <laughs> Knowing that yeah. whoever's, whoever's fifth behind number three is going to contact you and make an argument for, we think we should be number three. Because uh, <laughs> you... you you mean you have to prioritize you can't do it all and so rather than not say anything we should just here's what it looks like and yeah. here's when it's happening because uh like i said i moved around 10 years ago i was a lot younger back then but i remember all these promises made like we're going to revitalize downtown we're going to do this we're going to do this but in 10 years not much has changed i mean like a stadium has been built obviously that's one of the bigger ones but aside from that it doesn't feel like anything's different or anything's changed and that's why i think a lot of like my peers and my colleagues like whether they're high school or like my coaches or my friends, they all just want stuff done. And obviously it takes a long time, funding gets backed up, but it's just, it seems like a lack of effort usually. I, uh, yeah. And I think there's a lot, of, I think on the surface and I honestly, that's why I ran, right. I was kind of sick of that kind of feeling stagnant or feeling, I, I call it being flatlined. It just didn't, didn't feel like progress was being made. And I can't tell you if that's a lack of will 
or just a lack of coordination, like people getting on the same page or people working at cross purposes. So, or all of the above, how about that? Uh, (laughs) And so my job, regardless of what someone else says, when I talk about people wanting to meet with me and what I have to learn, it's about how do you take a thousand different opinions and, and requests and narrow them down to, we're going to accomplish these next three. We're going to focus hard and we're going to get through them. And then we'll queue up the next three after that. And I'm just picking a number, but it's, yeah, it sure. literally is everybody gets narrowed down to a point. Cause if you're trying to chase a thousand, a thousand puppies, you're never going to get anywhere. No. Yeah. But, but, it, but you look busy, right? Like you look super busy. It's just, no, people aren't feeling the effects of it. And if you talk about downtown, that would be, and I, and I, I suspect it's on, all of council's radar. Um, there's a land bank of unused or undeveloped land downtown that will last us for 40 years. In the last 15 years, we've built one major building. Yeah. So why? And that's really the question. If you don't, you know, we can run around and um, and then and and then we come up with ideas. But at the end of the day, you just you have to talk to the people who are going to build that and say. Why is this happening this way? Yeah. And so, and, and then address that. And But if you don't ask that question, we'll end up 40 years from now with a 40-year land bank. Yeah. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. So, yeah. yeah. I, I think we, like, our top priority is learning from the past, really. And it's just, like, making sure that change gets done in a timely manner. And, like, make sure it's efficient, really. It's, like, I think efficiency is, like, <laughs> what everyone wants. But that's also the hardest thing to achieve for like someone like yourself. Yeah, yeah, seriously frustrating. Um, I always say that as, as frustrating as some of this is, it's really fantastic at the same time. Um, and I think I think you kind of hit it there, which is is people want something in a timely manner, and, and and I'll suggest that hey, give me the snapshot of where we are right now. Like, what's the balance sheet for where are we right this second? That could take six months to answer. Yeah, that's that's part of the problem is as a city and I think it bleeds down into multiple organizations. We don't have good data on what's the snapshot look like today. Like if I refresh tomorrow, what does it look like tomorrow? And that is probably one of my particular missions while all this other stuff is going on while trying to move some projects ahead is we need to figure out to capture data and we need it to you know, to to be to be similar data from what the Exhibition Association, which is a municipal organization, to what EDR is, which is a municipal organization, to what the public library collects. So we're all kind of looking at a similar dashboard, so to speak. So we can click and we can drill down into, and on these metrics, where's the public library sitting? So that you can actually start to make decisions based upon a common lens that's current. Yeah. So that's a huge challenge. And and it's and it's you can't stop everything to build it which is some people's preference. You've got to be able to multitask. So we're going to figure that out too. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I believe you said How's that. that? Like, well. I believe you said that uh, well, as one of your goals as well as like efficient city operations. Is I think yeah. you can get really slowed down by just paperwork and like bureaucracy and all of that. But at the end of the day, you got to learn to either uh, make that efficient or like move past it type thing. Yeah, you got to plow through some of it. And, and you go back to asking that question, why? Like, why are we doing that? Well, either because we've already done it that way or because we have to because of X, Y, Z. And I said, okay, well, how relevant are X, Y, Z? And you yeah. start to kind of you peel the onion, right? It's oh, like, yeah. Oh. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of peeling the onion is uh, 
So I just turned 18 about a month ago, less than a month ago. And I'm very excited to vote in like, whether it's a municipal election, provincial, federal, whatever. But after talking to a lot of my friends, a lot of my high school colleagues, things like that, no one's as excited, especially in municipal level government, they're not really as excited to vote. And we've seen that with voter turnouts and all that. So what is what do you think will appeal to my generation about voting and the importance of voting? Um, you know, I think you, your generation is probably more socially engaged than any one before it for like a long time. That this has this kind of level of understanding of social issues and social justice issues hasn't existed for a long time. So I think some folks will get out to vote based upon what's speaking to them about social justice issues at any given point in time. But um, the thing that everybody knows about human beings is we lose interest really fast too. You're also a generation who are used to kind of immediate sort of um, <laughs> refresh. Uh, but your immediate news, immediate issues, there's a, there's a constant turnover of your attention. Um, I actually think it's, it's, it's the responsibility of someone at the municipal level and the provincial level, but municipally more important because the schools exist at the city level. And if I came in with your ward counselor and we did a presentation and made you pick the budgetary items for where to spend the money, where do you want this half a billion dollars spent? You actually had to have part of that discussion. It's about that engagement, which is you got to make people think about how it affects them in their day to day or they'll never show up because it's, you know, I don't even think there's that voter disenfranchisement where people think, well, my vote doesn't count. I don't even think it's that. I think there's just a lack of interest. Yeah. Which our job is to engage. I think it's a, lack, a mix of lack of interest and just like confusion really. It's like, wow, what did the municipal government do? And I think that's a thing that's particular to like a civic level politics because no one really knows what they do. Maybe because it's like, like you said, that inefficiency Maybe it's that. It's like they're not interested. It's not like a federal level of politics where there's a big decision, big decision, things like that. So it's like that community and engagement piece to like the younger people. And really just, I say younger people, but really everyone should go vote, obviously. But really, I think it's important for my like peers and that, especially on a municipal level, because that's where a lot of change does happen. And I think it's just not seen. Yeah. Well, and, and, and again, if you think about making your life here and having a job here, then the decisions that we make today and for the next four years are what you're going to raise your kids in 10 years from now, right? Like that's legitimately how that works. Um, but again, community engagement, it has to be from the political level. Like if someone from our strategic, you know, whatever department in the city reaches out, like it's meh. But if the politicians show up and actually engage in conversations and force you into making decisions, that would be a fun exercise. In fact, I'm looking forward to doing yeah. that. Post-COVID. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Uh, one thing that this made me thought about was, uh, so our election was in November, I believe, or October. And we had, in Saskatoon especially, there was that big snowstorm, caused delays in elections and all that. And I compared that to U.S. elections, where U.S. elections is not just like one level. It's like, it could be president, it could be Senate, it could be this, it could be all the way down to like the lowest level of governments. But it's all uh, centralized in one day. And like people, it's an activity to go vote. Do you think that would that's a good plan? Maybe in the spring, maybe in the summer when roads are actually uh, not icy. Do you think that's a good plan to implement in a place like Regina? I don't think we can because of our parliamentary system. And there are rules actually separating the election days. So if 
the federal government calls an election, the provincial government can't have one within so many days. And the provincial government sets all municipal elections in the province. They set the date. Um, so do I like the idea? Yes. Do I think there's potential for voter confusion? Potentially. But again, if the United States can do it, I'm not sure why we couldn't do it. Um, the deal is, is that at municipal level, you have to have one every four years and you can pretty much pick the date. You can't do the same with a provincial or federal government because of minority governments, because of, yeah. again, those other rules. But yeah, it, it is an event to go vote. Yeah. We should try to make it an event to go vote. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing. Like even my family, my friends, like no one was interested enough, right? It's like dark days, snow, ice on the ground. And it's just like, oh. And then like, I think that's why we see the low turnouts is because of that just lack of really, uh, I guess I should say excitement. Because like it's like a thing you it's like feels like a chore rather than like an important part of uh, your duties as a citizen. I I had the opportunity to speak with the Saskatchewan Human Rights Commission uh, a few weeks ago. They were trying to there's a uh, Women's Month month of March and they wanted me to come speak. And I was asking them about what they were under undertaking, and they said, well, one of the things that we're doing is educating people on not just their rights but their obligations under citizenship. And so so we like to throw around that, oh, that's against my rights, that's against my rights. But do you know what your responsibilities are? Well, yeah. voting is one of your responsibilities. So, yeah. Chori, you're not far off, I don't think, but it's to be a responsible citizen and to enjoy the rights that you have, voting is the option. And, you know, I sound like a mom when I say that, and it really gets me very far. <laughs> yeah. No, I, like, I know a lot of my teachers and, like, a lot of my family says, like, um, there's a lot of places in the world that don't get that right and that responsibility and like choosing to use it is very powerful. And like we can see it all across the world that even, just even voting will make a big difference. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to change topics just a little bit. So uh, um, one thing I want to talk about was um, how Regina can be more convenient for everyone, like whether that's on like a student level or like a tourism level, whatever it may be. And one topic is public transportation. Um, I about last two few years ago, I went to Ottawa and like Toronto, like Eastern Canada, and I was amazed by public transportation is easy, fast, might not be like the best always. And I think that's a little bit to do with the stigma behind public transportation. But what is it about Regina that makes me wait an hour and a half for a bus or like things like that? Because I feel like in Regina, I used to take the bus uh, going to school and it took me an hour and a half, waited 20 minutes in the cold, things like that. So why should how do you plan on making public transportation like more efficient and better in the city? So they're looking at the, tra uh, the master plan right now. I mean, ultimately, if you wanted express routes, you're really talking about limiting where those express routes would go. So, you know, you'd always be tagging into somewhere on Albert street or somewhere on Vic and possibly a couple other feeders into them. Could you do that? Yes. Should you? Probably. Like the, the community-based ones, um, those might always be an hour and a half apart until we reach a critical mass. Like if we hit half a million people in population, which is a ways off, um, <laughs> but if we hit that, well, then you're talking about a different transportation system. Like it just gets better the more people you have. Yeah, for sure. But trying to be all things to all people isn't going to work. We need an express route into the university. We need Albert Street, Vic, um, probably into Rochdale. Like there's certain kind of cross sections that you're going to want to run express routes. Yeah, I understand you, that. And especially yeah. like the cities, Regina is not really like on that level, like a Toronto or an Ottawa no. at all. Yeah. And it's just for me, 
I know I live in the East End and like just even getting downtown is an hour and a half. Going from Harbor Landing, one of the biggest neighborhoods in Regina, getting downtown, that's like takes a long time as well. So, and another topic is the airport. If Regina uh, wants to like make sure this airport is nice, clean, uh, whatever it may be, and, and a route to the airport, I think is really fundamental and that's never existed. Do you think that would be something that you could bring to the city? <laughs> I think that's very logical. <laughs> I think that's extraordinarily smart. Uh, the airport as well, we've never had a bus route going into the exhibition. So if I wanted to take a bus to a Pats game, I can't. Yeah. Like if there's there's no bus stop there. And so, yeah, there's some rational things which seem to make perfect common sense. But I think part of the problem, you talk about efficiency and effectiveness, part of the problem is sometimes we say, oh, well, we have this in place and we could tweak this as opposed to going, forget what you have start with what your issues are and what you're trying to achieve and then just design problem thinking, right? Like design thinking is let's design the solution to fit the problem. And so that, that, that's, we get stuck a lot in it, but this is the way it's, it is and it's been, and here's what works about it. And then people get kind of entrenched and it's, it's really got to kind of throw everything out. Yeah, for sure. Start with a a whiteboard. Yeah. (laughs) And I know, like I was talking to a few of my teachers and uh, a lot of them live in Harbor Landing and, once again, like that whole bus route, like just to get to there, he wants to ride the school. Like one of my teachers, he was like, I really want to ride my bike to school or like, or take the bus to school. I don't want to drive. That's just a hassle on its own, especially in the winter. And then so he, uh, one of the questions he wanted to ask you is like, how could you make you, uh, to make a greener city, to make bike lanes in the city more accessible? How is bike lanes going to be introduced into the city under you? I, I think one of the ideas about bike lanes right now is making sure that we have some amazing bike lanes, like we have some amazing trails to ride bikes on, and then we don't connect different parts of the city. And so I think connectivity is really important to what we currently have to make sure if I start in Harbor Landing, I can actually continue on and get to the east side where they continue on as well. Um, so connectivity is a big part of that right now. And then I know in the transit study that they're looking at um, in the recreational plan as well. There's a crossover in terms of looking at how do people move around the city in bike lanes, essentially. Yeah. I think uh, even Park Street, they designed it and stopped it. So Yeah, the Park Street was a big topic when I asked a lot of my, like especially coaches, parents, friends like that, is that uh, when you think about, if you use Park Street as an example, if you want to continue on Park Street, you're going to have to cross Arcola, which is one of the busiest roads in Regina. Same thing with Harbor Landing, you have to cross uh, Levan, which is also really dangerous, could be really dangerous. Now, how do you, is there a plan for that or is it still in the pipelines? That's, that's what administration is being tasked with or has been tasked with, which is how do we connect to get people? Because if you live in Harbor Landing, you're cut off for exactly what you're talking about. Um, How do we get pedestrians and bikes over the Louvain in the safest man possible? Yeah. And if you look at Harbor Landing, it's like the Harbor Landing where there's this nice path in the middle, the green space, all that, but it's just like you're bubbled in really. And I think that's. A thing that needs to be done and a lot of my peers needs to be done yeah yeah uh, have it you is. ever thought about bike share in regina or like a bike sharing program maybe like uh there's a lot of cities with the and not just canada but all across the globe where it's just a ride share whether it's car to go even or like a bike share program so i haven't that's actually a really good idea we had a kind of a cheeky answer during the campaign because we know that there's a lot of stolen bikes recovered by the city police and we thought that should probably just be, you know, make them available in Wascana Park for people to go biking on. 
for free. Yeah. Um, but a bike share program, no, but I'm writing it down. <laughs> yeah, because I know like for me, I love riding my bike and I used to ride my bike to school all the time and stuff like that. But it's just, I hated locking it up, making sure it's double locked, making sure through that. Even my dad at his office, it's at the TC Douglas building. He had this really expensive bike stolen, never found it, things like that. And it's just like, I know a lot of people who are, enjoy that stuff and like not just recreationary, but in practice, whether it's for work, school, thing of ride share right. program really does increase uh, a lot in the city. Okay. I'm writing that one down. Going based off that is like um, one question I tend to ask myself a lot because I like traveling. I like exploring the outdoors. I like hiking or canoeing. What is the identity of Regina to you? The identity of Regina is um, I kind of joke that you come to Regina be, like we had someone come and visit here. It's like, people come here. Why do they come here? Well, the truth of the matter is people come here either for business or to visit family and friends. The number two, number one and two uh, reasons to visit here. And so business could include events, trade shows, that sort of thing. Um, so what Regina is, is I always say Regina is like coming home again. Like you come here and it's, uh, um, you feel like you're home. We're going to talk about the identity of Regina. Um, from a very practical perspective, we are mid-sized prairie city that has exceptional uh, sports events and amenities. We have a, um, a vibrant cultural community and is, frankly, we're an education town. We have not just the University of Regina and Polytechnique, we have the only First Nations University in the country. And we have Depot here as well, which is where all RCMP cadets in the country get trained. If that's not an education city, I don't know what is. Um, and again, because we're humble to the poor, <laughs> self-harm sometimes, um, that's really what we want to grow upon, which is you would want to come here to relax, to actually have a, a bit of a slower pace of life and to experience both some of the events we put on. And, um, it's not the mountains, but it's beautiful. Like we have tons of activities to do here at the Wascana Parkway. The Wascana Park area is unlike anything else in North America. And we should do a better job of kind of promoting that as well. Yeah, I agree. I think when I think of Regina, I think like the things you said, Wascana Center area, the depot stuff, things here and there. But uh, just recently over the break, I uh, went to Saskatoon and they have this new river walk. They have the new buildings, all this. And even on the during COVID times, maybe it shouldn't be packed, but downtown was packed type thing. And it's like when I go into Regina, it seems very... Uh, even though I, I've lived here 10 years, it still seems boring to me, but uh, how do you feel like we can revitalize Regina to become this like less boring town? I think you need to work from the inside out. I think Wascana Parkway is probably, they're going to continue to program it with uh, things both summer and winter, which is going to be great. And it, it's kind of more of what already exists, which is one of our benefits. I think we have a real challenge with our downtown and if you're going to revitalize Regina, you need to start from the inside out, like from the center. So we have, unlike any other city, major city in Canada, we have uh, 18 acres at the yards and another, I forget how many acres of Taylor Fields, which is blank land. We have to revitalize Saskatoon Drive because it's the entryway into our downtown. We have to figure out a way to incent construction downtown so that you could have some main floor commercial with maybe two or three levels of some cool residential, smaller maybe. Um we need something to go downtown. And I don't know if that's a new public library that might revitalize a certain area and create more activity. We have, 
we end up with a bit more of an office and finance downtown than Saskatoon does. They're a little bit more shoppy. Um, but we need to find that balance and that pretty much you need to fabricate that. Like you need to create that. Yeah, I think we um, see like Saskatoon as this like uh, university, younger crowd, things like that. Regina is obviously the official town being the capital in that. And then I think we see that with downtown. And there was this recent study saying that almost half of downtown was parking spaces, which should not ever happen really. Because like that's just clogging everything up. And going back to public transportation, is there a way we could maybe incentivize public transportation by businesses or the city to get people downtown? And then that clears up parking space, leads to construction, thing like that. Like I think the thing about parking lots is they're all temporary. Like all surface parking lots are temporary. Like the moment, and you'll see it in every other downtown that went through a boom, they chew up through parking lots. We haven't been, our parking lots aren't chewed up because there's no building going on. So why isn't there any building going on? Really that becomes the question. What, what programs, what lack of incentives, what do we not have going on that people aren't going down there? Or what are we allowing to happen elsewhere, which is bleeding everyone out of downtown? Cause that's, not what you want. Yeah. Um, so really, where are we now, right? And that's, I come back to my data problem, which I don't know what the answer is. I know there's, I know some of the answers, um, but then what's the solution in order to put something downtown? We need some construction to happen. We need some, whether that's an easing of zoning, whether that's a, a incentivizing construction with residential, because the moment you put people living downtown, you increase your vibrancy. Like that's, it's just what happens. Um, and it's the chicken and the egg thing. Uh, if downtown was vibrant, people would want to live there. And so you almost need to fabricate in a way or incentivize that construction in order to get people downtown because people downtown will create demand downtown. At the same time, if you built something out on Taylor Fieldlands or the yards, you're going to end up creating a traffic driver where people are going to want to be close to that activity. And we talk about downtown Saskatoon. It's hard to explain, but it's a vibe. And so it's about how do you get a vibe going downtown, which makes it feel like somewhere that you want to be really yeah. that it, it is a big problem and council's all aware of it. And I don't have the answers yeah, yet, but I'm sure. working. No, that's great. Yeah. Cause like whenever I see downtown, I see the Taylor field completely empty. I see like things like Capitol point completely empty. And then, it's just, and I read that that fifty percent of downtown was parking lot. That just seems really, like, not good at all, really. And it just seems, nope. like, what's not being done, or what is being done that's preventing this, really. And rather than being like a restrictive city, why aren't we becoming a more open city and like saying yes, you can do this, we'll help you do that, rather than no, you can't do that. And I think we see yeah. that a lot with. Uh, so there's a few small businesses I know that, like, maybe one thing went wrong, and then the city was like, nope we're stopping you there rather than how can we cater to your needs i think that's a lot of what my business pe like peers in that have a lot of complaints about is that why are we restrictive rather than being open yes in fact along that point where you're going with it i think is that one of your competitive advantages you might want a position that if if we only have so much to offer one of our competitive uh, advantages that we should offer is regulatory simplicity Right. Yep. That's because we construct that. That's that. It's not about geography or about the weather. It's not about anything. It's about what we construct to make it simple. Yeah. And like you said earlier, like Regina is this whole collaboration city, friendly people, friendly this. Why can't the municipal government be friendly towards these businesses, be friendly and just listen to everyone, really? And then making sure the right decisions are being made rather than. Just... Do, you, do you want did you want a job? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
I'll say no for now. I'll think about yeah, it. Yeah, say no. You're right. Go get an education, please. Go get an education. <laughs> for sure. I'm going to compare Regina to a little bit other cities. Obviously, Regina's, like you said, this middle class, middle level tier, tier city. I like, I'll call it a B tier city. It's not like top of the line. It's not low of the line. Call so, it mid-level. Mid we call level. it mid-level. Perfect. Mid mid-size. It's a mid-size city. Mid-size city. <laughs> so it's hard to compare against other city because uh, Calgary's a lot bigger. Winnipeg's a lot bigger. Edmonton's a lot bigger. Obviously, Saskatoon's around the same, but uh, I'm going to focus on Calgary for a second where it's like a lot of the economy behind Calgary is very similar to Regina's and Saskatchewan's. And really, our driving forces are very similar. Obviously, closer to BC, the mountains, whatever. But what makes Regina different from a Calgary? Is it the people or is it like an actual, some sort of infrastructure that keeps the, keeps Regina, Regina? I think one of the things about Regina is that, you know, uh, well, number one, people choose to leave here. People would never, there was a time like dec a few decades ago where the reason you left here was because of employment and because of, because Calgary was going through that enormous kind of boom, which once one of those starts, they kind of feed on themselves. And so um, um, we ended up losing a lot of our citizens, a lot of our own graduates to Calgary. Uh, and, and then it blew up and exploded. But the thing is, is that their families were here. So they either left friends here or families here behind. And so um, we ended up with some kind of reverse migration going on. Um, you know, during the late 2000s or, or, or about 10 years ago, people were moving back because here was where the jobs were. Uh, I think the biggest difference has been that um, once they got on the kick, they created an environment where head offices were kind of um, um, popping up and expanding. And then you had businesses co-locating. And that's really kind of what started this sort of it's kinetic energy. Once it starts, it just keeps spinning. Whereas here... We didn't do that. Uh, we, we, we've tried to do it. And then when it slowed and we've um, we have never really gotten on the idea that agriculture is one of our major resources. Like we just have never been able to kind of cross that urban rural divide. And just like you don't drill for oil in Calgary, but your head office is there. Right. So the same principle goes. We don't we don't we don't combine in the city of, of Regina. But there's tens of thousands of acres of farmland around us that if we actually created the head offices here, there's just a synergy there that makes complete sense. Not to mention on the industry side, they should be here. Like we should have a crush plant outside of our city. We should have biofuel going on in our city with agricultural products. We should have whatever you can use agricultural products in. What can you use straw in while well, you can make paper out of it? We should have that here. It makes perfect sense. Once you start that, it starts to spin. So how do you start it? Yeah. Yeah. I you become friendly to business, <laughs> but go on. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, I was just, I don't know how much, you know, about American cities and U U.S. cities, but uh, Austin, Texas is a city that's also very similar economy. A lot of like oil, farmland, things like that. Also a capital city, obviously bigger, not a mid-level tier or mid-level city. Uh, but why can't Regina aspire to be like that? Because they have this like huge culture. It's about the people. It's about the arts. It's about the business. And Regina is a very suitable location, economically, really geographically even, to be like that central city that, though it might not be as big as other cities, though it might not have the tourist attractions, it still brings in people and makes people want to live there, really. And it's about the people, rather. 
I think what you're talking about is having a vision for what you want your city to be. You want what they depend upon as a visitor economy. What I believe we should be depending upon is that visitor economy. And so as much as I talk about industry supporting the jobs, you add to the quality of life where it's somewhere that people want to be. I don't even care if they have to be the first time because once they come, um, it, it's it's just one of the best times they've had, regardless of what it is. And so when I talk about amateur sports, it's kind of what I'm focusing in on. I think there is an opportunity for uh, a festival scene here, around here. We already have Craven, which is it's kind of its own beast. But how do you take that and then and, and pull some element of that back into the city? Um, and, and then we have a folk festival. Okay, so what can you do with that? Saskatoon has the jazz festival what can we do here? But it's about everybody being empowered to come up with those ideas and go, okay, what's in your way and what do you need? You're not just being friendly, but it's also about that common vision, which is what do you want to put on this year and how do we build something out of that? And knowing that everything you try isn't going to be successful, but if you don't try it, nothing is. And that's, it's just about people being willing to take a bit of that risk and throw it against the wall. Let's see what happens. Let's see what works. So I think there's kind of this tandem thing, which is, which amateur sports, if we build the facilities and continue to build upon this kind of great thing we have going on, we're an amazing place for for trade shows, for sporting events. Um, that stadium is, out, like, I want another national soccer game here. Uh, I'd like that to be a regular thing. I would love a year from now to have another like, NHL game outdoors. Oh, yeah. um, I would love a national lacrosse team. It's put them in an arena that there's absolutely no reason why we don't have those things yet. And so build it. Yeah. That brings me to my next point where it's like the big question for me is, is Regina facing an identity crisis, which is like, because I feel like we've heard the same stuff where it's like, oh, it's about the people. It's about this. It's about that. But once again, nothing's being done to cater towards that. And obviously I'm going to use the stadium as an example where it's like we built the stadium for Ryderville, Ryder this. But the truth is we live in Saskatchewan. It's snowy and it's cold for eight months out of the year. And so if like that means that stadiums is probably going to be not operating for eight months out of the year. And I think currently what we have at with Iceville and that, I think that's a great thing where it feels like even if it's a paid activity, people are willing to pay to have fun. People are willing to pay to help out the other people in the city, things like that. And so what are some things you stated like folk festival, maybe a festival scene, lacrosse team, things like that. So where does that start? Like what are the seeds that plant that? They're being planted right now. Um, honestly, when I talk about that shared vision, and I will tell you that one of one of the reasons why people think the citizens of Regina are so amazing is because we are. We have a volunteerism rate that blows other cities out of the water. So it's like if you have the idea, people will volunteer for it. Part of it is about coordinating and gathering people together. And I keep saying it doesn't seem to matter what I talk about. I talk about I keep pulling strings and trying to weave them together where – um, this person has this idea. Okay, wait, you have this idea? I just heard someone say that over here and I need to connect you to people. And honestly, it's already happened where someone says, Tanner, we want to we want to go and do this. Do you think you'd be behind this? And I go, do you need me to be behind this? And they're like, well, yeah, it's helpful if you are. I'm like, all right, I'm behind it. Oh, by the way, have you met this person? They're the head of this association. They probably, you want to talk to them. We just happen to be in the same restaurant, which is weird. Then those two people connected and two weeks later, I was in a room with those two plus eight other people. And so that's how it grows. And you need to be willing to say yes. I think to your early point, you nailed it, which is why do we want to be restrictive? We don't. 
We don't want to be restrictive. What's your idea? Run with it. See what happens. Now, what happens is you have 10 great ideas. Two might bubble to the surface and, and, and work. And it's about not getting, not getting defeated or put down by the eight that don't. But it's also about you need to have someone or hopefully more than one person who's willing to listen to the ideas and then coordinate it together and just say, what do you need? What's in your way? And we'll try to clear it out of your way. And so you keep going and doing what you're doing. Um, and you think of Iceville, think about it in non-COVID times. Oh, yeah. Because I think we should have kind of some winter sports here, like like extreme sports or some goofy things going on. You think of Iceville, imagine the outdoor hockey tournament we could have, because I forget if it's four NHL size rinks are on that field. Yeah, something like that. that. You, could en- you could end up having an outdoor hockey tournament. Like you could literally create like an Ironman hockey tournament or an Iron person. Like you could create this crazy thing where at any one time you had four games going on. So over the course of a weekend, you could have 60 teams in town and just play an outdoor hockey game. Yeah, like it would be like the ODR, right? Yeah, <laughs> the exactly. ODR league. And, but but there is a tournament. So you create Iceville. And, um, but what it can become is, is it outdoor extreme sports? Is it like, what is it? And, yeah. and just grow it from there. I think it comes back to my earlier points about the stadiums and that it's that um, people are want to have fun. It's not like people want to stay. Like obviously COVID is something else, but like why not have a multi-sport uh, facility where we can have these tournaments, where we can do this, where we can do this. And people are willing to pay for it really. And like I know I am, and obviously not everyone's the same as me, but like I know I recently went to Saskatoon to go to that light show, the drive through light show. That cost money, and it was all like volunteer based mainly, a lot of paid, whatever. But I enjoyed it. People, the economy enjoyed it. The city enjoyed it. And so it's just really like we need to build towards that. And going back to my earlier, earlier point was that why are we looking at these long term goals as like this? Oh, this is a final product rather than like have it as like a mindset or like a, like you said, a shared vision. And then we work towards that rather than like a just a lump sum of something. And it's just like, oh, we'll figure it out. Yeah, and I and I think, I think what you're talking about is kind of the multi. Um, there's multiple organizations or associations that need to work on this, and they all need to be coordinated and supported, and kind of have obstacles moved out of their way, which should be our job. So, so give us a list of infrastructure projects. Okay, administration, here's the plan. This is what we want go on you to pursue. But once you push that off, that should be underway, and that machine should keep working. So. Who else do you need? Well, you need tourism. So tourism needs to be this body that goes out and knocks on doors and dreams this stuff up that someone can go talk to to say, well, we want to do this. Holy heck, we're going to need city approval or we're going to need provincial approval. Let's go ask for it. Like you do where you just you want to make sure no different than we talked about Calgary and how it boomed. You want to make sure that once someone has something in motion, that you keep it in motion. Like, yeah. never let it stop. Just keep clearing the – you might have to slow down sometimes, but never let it stop and keep keep advancing that. And so, you know, from a from a from what you're ta- – there's a tourism perspective. There's also organizations locally that use things as fundraisers, like, like the Twinkle Light Tours and that kind of thing, which got shut down because of vandalism here in our city. Well, to me, you let someone stop you, right? Let's just try it again. Like it, uh, to me, that's admitting defeat to something that we should never admit a defeat to. Yeah. Because because people do enjoy. It. COVID was probably more important than ever that 
making our city beautiful in the wintertime, it's beautiful in the summertime. Like we have a gorgeous oh, city yeah. in the summertime. Making our city beautiful in the wintertime, considering how long the winter is, is pretty important, yeah, right? Yeah. And it makes us feel better about our city. Yeah. Yeah. And I think tourism is not just for people outside the city and like from wherever, wherever. It's people from within as well. Like myself, I would, I've tried to go to Iceville so many times, haven't been able to yet, but like, I know a lot of people are that same boat, same with other things. Uh, so it's just that everyone wants, like, everyone wants to have fun. Everyone wants convenience. Everyone wants this. And that's how to cater to those people. Because at the end of the day, it's like, not me yet, obviously, but my family, my pe like, the people of the city are funding this type thing. They're the ones paying the bill, right? So how we yeah. can cater to those needs. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't disagree with you. I think that, uh, yeah. I think about making it easier and you talk about that tourism piece. There is exactly, there's the external tourism where we're trying to attract people here to help support our economy and spend money and experience our awesome selves. Um, but there is an internal, there's an, there's an internally focused tourism element, which is, and in our, in our, from our perspective, it's, it's as important as the external because um, there's a, there's a line I heard someone say that if you, if it doesn't have local support, it, it won't survive. Yeah, that's the reality. And so, yeah, it's about it's about getting local support. I mean, the nice news about Iceville for next year is that touch wood, everyone will be vaccinated. Yeah, it'll be open, and it you can put a lot of people on that ice, right? Oh, yeah. And so, and then so booking time will become a non-issue. Exactly, and it's not just I would like obviously Iceville is a big part of it, but you need more than that, right? I'm sure yeah. in the winter yeah. or in the summer, we can go to Wascana Center, we can go to the depot, we can do this. But after those four or five things, it's hard to like find things. So having that array of things to do, really. I think that's yeah. yeah. Um, so I think that's about all the time we have today. If you want to keep growing, you can. But... <laughs> I, I got someone keep coming to my door going, you have, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'll leave you with one final question. So okay. pre-COVID times, it's a Friday night. What's your go-to thing to do in Regina? Honestly, I go for beer and wings. <laughs> and I just just pick an establishment. I go meet up with a friend um, or two or three, and I have uh, uh, a beverage, usually just one. I'm, I'm not even kidding. And and then I like wings and nachos. That's what I like to do. That's my decompression. Um, I was the chair of the Exhibition Association, so I got to participate in Pat's Games and, and events all the time. And so decompression is just sit, visit, chill out.